fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Hey, Brent. <laughs> Good morning. Thanks for saying that, man. I appreciate that. Good morning to you, too. It's actually, I, I got to step it up. Mm. It's a great morning. It is. I know you have your quibbles because, you know, like head hit the pillow at an hour that you're <laughs> uncomfortable about. But sure. there's no such thing as, a, as as anything less than a great, mm. great morning. Our Our man on the board... Our man Andrew cooked up that intro for us. Get to hear all the different 50 goal calls. He hits 50. The Leafs win. I don't have to have a referendum about what a day of barbecue and golfing Mm. did to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Great. Not good. Great morning, Ben. Yeah, they played guilty, I guess. Um, Eh, For for two periods. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Second, it got dicey. um, And then William Nylander looking for his fourth shorthanded goal Mm -hmm. at the end of the second. Yes. Makes the start of the third a little dicey, but then uh, scores in the breakaway to, to seal it for the Maple Leafs, who have won five consecutive, all without Morgan Riley. Mm. The uh, Arizona Coyotes have lost 11 straight. But that's secondary to the headline item. Austin Matthews with not just goal number 50, which was, like, vintage. Hey, somebody better check the scouting report mm. on Austin Matthews. It's like it's, More than a few times he's, he's, he's done that from yes. near the corner uh, on the power play. Impressive. It's pretty good. Uh, scores 50 and then 51, not as impressive. No. I mean, Mitch Marner was incredibly impressive mm-hmm. with the through the legs pass to TJ Brody, who I'm, I don't know what happened on that shot necessarily. And then it bounces off his, his body and in. Uh, 51 goals so far for Austin Matthews, now on pace for 76, mm-hmm. Brent. It was, it, it, listen, it's not the first time this has happened where Austin mm-hmm. Matthews has a milestone number to reach or all the eyeballs on him mm-hmm. in one moment. And even go back to the postseason. I know we talk about his goalless five games yeah. against the Panthers, but the five goals mm-hmm. in six games against the Lightning helping the Leafs overcome their their first round speed bumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy shows up when the lights are the brightest. It's just a fact. Yeah, it does. I mean, you mentioned the playoff last year. Yeah, like there's the Florida series. We can't run away from that. We'll have all those conversations again come April and and May. But just, okay, here's the points in his playoff career in the series. First one didn't go so well. He had two points in a seven-game series. Six and seven, six and five, five and seven, nine and seven, and 11 in 11. That's points. And obviously, I don't need to tell you that the goal totals are pretty high for Matthews in all those seasons as well. It's what he does. We've we've all done the thing all year long of pointing out the lack of empty netters, but it's not the lack of empty calories. It's the big, beefy calorie goals that he scores. It's always with the Leafs seemingly down one or just up one or in a tie game. It's the clutch statistics that we talk about. And for it's it's a weird spot to find ourselves for a team that it's his era. Like, we can't sit here and say it's the Matthews and Marner era. Sure, it is, but it's the Austin Matthews era. The thing that has defined Leafs hockey is being able or unable to come through in those moments, but that's the guy who seems to do it time and time and time again. Yeah, he was obviously going to score. It's crazy that everybody had the exact same take and everybody was exactly correct. (laughs) Everybody had the Elliott Friedman. Yeah, he's going to score one, but, like, at least one. Right. And probably more than one. And he had the incredible play. I, I think it was in the second period where he knocks the puck out of midair, yeah. almost scores on the backhand too. Yes. Like that would have been near the tippy top of the highlight real goals that he scored this season. The, I, the second one is at the very bottom. I said it yesterday and I'll say it again. We are at 
we are at full-blown peak of his powers, Tiger Woods, with Austin Matthews, where he scores one or two, and you go, yeah, it's the least amount of goals he could have possibly scored <laughs> that night. Yeah, like, do some of them, you get the bounce, sure, it pops to a good spot, but I feel like whatever bounce he got on the second one was accounted for on the first one with scoring a precision shot from, again, the corner. Yeah, It's just he's scoring in places goal scorers didn't, Score from, don't well, score from. You know, like, I, I'm thinking about that, right? Because it, it, it does, it looks bad. You're you're like, oh, what? What are you man, doing? Man, the goalies. Who, Amelka. Yeah, who who allow a goal from that angle, mm-hmm. even if it's on the power play, it just, it looks bad. Yes. Now, agreed. when it's Austin Matthews, you're like, how Green bad can assault. it be? Yep. And especially when he's done it as often as he has this mm-hmm. season, sliding the puck along the ice. It is a situation where, like, you can't get down quick enough. You're not going to nope. get down in no, the no, butterfly no. when a guy has the puck in the corner yep. and if he can rip it as hard as Austin Matthews can off the far post and in is that, and you have to respect the the ability to pass it across the yep. seam from there it is it is seemingly Again, unstoppable play if he puts it exactly where he wants to. If he if he wants to, I mean, yeah, goaltending is a finicky thing, and I'm sure you know, uh, like one of our one of our goaltending brethren uh, from NHL Network, who we like to get on once in a while, tell us, well, you know, there's something you could do, but I don't. To your point, I don't know that there is, especially, and you know, this has been a topic of conversation with Matthews kind of all season long. If you have to respect a pass out of there, it makes it kind of impossible. And I mm-hmm. think again, like Matthews, you. He's as willing a passer as you want him to be. You wouldn't want a player who can do what he what he does to really be too much more of a willing passer. And I don't say that as a guy who gets tunnel vision when he gets the puck. There, you you could honestly be a little more selfish at, at times. He definitely mm-hmm. loves to get teammates involved, which is again like yeah, a crazy he, thing to say about a guy who has fifty one in fifty four games. He wanted Matthew Nyes to score yesterday. Of course too. he like, did. It seemed pretty clear. Yes. Hey, Mitch Marner wanted Austin yep. Matthews to score. Everybody wanted Austin Matthews. Couldn't to score. have gone to his bud and said, yeah. "Okay, I like I got mine." Yeah, nice. Yeah, not me. Nice. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, he does what he wants to on the ice. And and now he's 12 goals ahead of uh, Sam Reinhart for the Rocket Richard lead. I quickly looked at the, because again, like you can just look at numbers with, with the Rocket on like the heart. It's not like a nebulous thing, but I mm-hmm. did look at the odds. Uh, Austin Matthews, yeah, basically off the board. And then the next closest Sam Reinhart at like 1,300. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. And... And this is maybe not the time for this, but I will say I'm getting mm. preemptively mad that Austin Matthews is not going to win the heart, even if he scores 70 goals this season. I I am actually so... It's funny, because sometimes I'm sure you've found yourself in this position where a season's going along, be it in any sport, and the, and the MVP discussion just keeps coming up, and you go, I don't know, this isn't... This isn't that interesting. Like, there's still 30 games left. We'll have the referendum when it happens. I think this... This is interesting. Well, this one specifically, because... Every guy has such a stone-cold lock of a case when you take the other guys out of it. Like, I mentioned the thing about Kucherov yesterday, Mm -hmm. his percentage of points against playoff teams, him doing this with a, you know, we'll use some air quotes here, a lesser version of the Lightning than we've seen in the past. It's like, again, Connor McDavid starts every season as the de facto MVP. He has to lose it. I actually have no problem with that. And Nathan McKinnon, he he was doing Austin Matthews stuff, not quite to this extent, I'll be honest, but for the two months prior to Matthews kind of heating up, it's been remarkable. Those two have like covered each other off on the season this way. I do think that, you know, I do wonder what the Leafs of it all will do to the MVP discussion. Well, do you think it's a positive or it's a negative? I I think 
depending on the voter, it works both ways. I, I do. think the fact that he already has one in his back pocket plays against him. Mm-hmm. And in a yep, season there's definitely in which, something to that. like Connor McDavid had a legitimate case at the time because that was a career high in points for Connor yep. McDavid that season. But we said 60. We said yep. 60. Come on. Come on. This is 60. It was before everybody scores 60. Yeah. But he was he was Roger Bannister. He broke through the four-minute <laughs> mile. So we, I think, rightly deferred to, to Matthews. And, and Connor McDavid took that as a personal affront and then mm-hmm. went ahead and scored 64 goals and set a new career right. high in points. In the most Matthews high. said, <laughs> well, 70. Yeah. So, But we've done this argument before. People always want something new. And the mm-hmm. fact that he already has one, I, I think, is going to negatively impact his case. It's just... What we're talking about here is something so ridiculous. Like 60 was incredible. It had been a while since we'd, we'd seen it before. Yep. We saw Stephen Sam. Yeah, was do it? wasn't in like black and white or grainy no, footage. No, we saw Alex Ovechkin yeah, do two it. Two guys who are still in the league. We saw him do it. Yeah, we've never seen this before. And there was like, and I was tweeting out some stuff yep. in jest, but mm. like, uh, like the idea of him scoring a hat trick. I mean, he scored two goals yesterday. Yep. And again, like had a, a real good opportunity to score a third yesterday. If he scores a hat trick there and then he scores another hat trick tonight, it's like we're talking about a guy that's on pace for 80 goals. Well, so I wrote this down in my notes. And again, it's like the, the heart conversation that gets so fascinating this year is to your point with the Leafs, I think the uh, the idea that he has one kind of works against him. It really is unfortunate that of the four-person race that this has turned into, everybody's got one but McKinnon. So I don't know how yeah. much that's going to color things because we do th- we, we, yeah. we do do this the, in that's, this. That's rough. And then he sport. has a cup and yeah. yeah, he needs a heart. Right? He does. He does. Like he deserves it. But I don't know if he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. Like mm. tough breaks. If somebody scores <laughs> seventy, I do think you just have to kind of tip the cap. Hey, and Nolan if, Ryan doesn't have any Cy Young awards. Okay. Every. Every time I see that, I think it's fake. Then I go to Baseball Reference and I look it up, and I'm like, "Wow, that really did happen!" Hey, good job, baseball writers. I again, I'm not going to relitigate Nolan Ryan Cy Young cases. Sometimes, them the breaks. You look at LeBron. You know, he could have been MVP of the NBA for a decade straight, but it's just not the way these things work. The McKinnon. You know, typically we've done this more with like Norris trophies or Vesna trophies, where it's a position-based award, and you say, "All right, this guy's due." He did the, you get a nomination, you lose, then you win the year next year. That's kind of how it's gone. I think with McKinnon, it'll color. The other thing that I wonder though is, and again, I think you can make the, I don't know that you can make a negative case for this, but I think some people might try to is how much does the amount of hat tricks color the conversation? Because you can, you can sit here and say that he's, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think if they lost a game when she scored a hat-trick this year. I think they might have. No. So the last – so he there was one in the Flames game. Uh, they won that game. Yeah. Okay. I think they might – yeah, now that you're talking me through it, because they won the first two. Yes. They won the last one he had. Uh, so, yeah, I think yeah, – I'll bring it up. Okay, I think they well, might be perfect with, with hat-tricks this year. But the point I make is that we talk about these guys, McDavid, McKinnon, Kucherov, Matthews, as being able to single-handedly win they your lost, team. They lost against the Sabres okay. in his third of the season. Oh, so, okay, so I wasn't wrong. I thought there was one. We talk about these guys single-handedly being able to gift your team a win. Mm-hmm. Is that not the biggest point of it? Now, you can go to McDavid in five-point games, and you could say maybe that should be the same case, but I don't think a five-point game is the same mm. as a hat trick because I, you need other guys to help you out. And Yes, Marner's been a, a, a big pact, a big factor of it, but I do wonder how much the number of hat tricks in and of itself will kind of factor into the argument. I think the fact that, what, almost 30 of these goals have been either down a goal, yeah. tied, or up a goal 
yeah, it's it's they've all been impactful goals. No empty net goals this season. And also, part of me wanted not last night, obviously, but part of me wanted fifty to be an empty netter just for the mm. discourse. All the trolls to be like, oh, look at this, and then must ha- get to remind them it was the first one of the year. And I think we can all agree, right? Mm. Now, whether this team has playoff success or not, I think just on paper, this is a, this is a diminished version of this Leafs team than in last year, past, thousand percent, yep. right? Like this is a team that has registered a franchise record in points over the course of a regular season. This team is going to be over a hundred points, but they're not mm-hmm. going to be a 115 point team like they were a couple of years ago. Nick Robertson's not that much a better player and he's been a fixture this year as opposed to the other afterthought that he was last year. We're going to have a legit conversation about top six Bobby McMahon here in a second, mm-hmm. right? Yes, okay. Thank you. Uh, and and Austin Matthews 200 foot game has them now just like cemented within the postseason picture in the Eastern Conference and still within shouting distance of the top of the division. Now, the Panthers uh, refused to lose and, and the Bruins picked up a huge uh, two points yesterday in Edmonton, but they're, they're right there. In a very flat Eastern Conference, I understand it. But the Panthers mm-hmm. are the top team in the NHL, and they're they're right there with them. Only eight points back, and they do have a, a game in hand on the Florida Panthers. I, I think there is a more than legitimate argument outside of just the counting stats for Austin Matthews that he's been the best player on a team that's exceeded what could have rightly been expected of them. So did you know what's popping into my mind right now? And these things are much closer to apples and oranges than apples to apples. But, you know, with Kelsey's run and Chiefs run in the playoffs, there was a lot of, ooh, greatest tight end of all time. How do you Mm -hmm. do him and Gronk? And it's, well, does blocking matter? Because if it does, this isn't even a conversation. They're basically the same guy as a receiver. You know, maybe Kelsey more dynamic, maybe Gronk more spectacular, but does blocking matter? Because if it does, then what are we even doing here? Mm -hmm. Does defense matter when we talk about the Hart Trophy? Because, you know, I'm not going to say, like, Connor McDavid has made strides as a defensive player. Mm -hmm. Guess what? He's him playing defense is him playing offense. He has the puck and he goes and does it. But you're not seeing the, not saying you never see it, but the chase down and the stick oh lifts and the steals uh, and the takeaways. You have like a 10 minute long yes. highlight reel of Austin. Where he doesn't stick shoot lifts. the puck. Yeah, stick lifts. <laughs> where it's just like a guy thinks he has the yep. puck and he doesn't. And McKinnon, McKinnon is much closer to that mold of the, mm-hmm. again, the four guys we're, we're talking about. Like we know, we know what the deal is with Kucherov. We've kind of seen it. It's also how it goes when you're an older, like you're a slightly older player in the league. You kind of pick your spot. So that's the thing I think is going to have to be factored into all this as well is how are these guys used? What are their matchups? And does the other, you know, we don't talk about it this way, but like, does the other side of the puck matter in this conversation at it all? It should. But I mean, what, that's why we what, have an Art Ross trophy. That's why we have a Rocket Richard yeah. trophy. It's it's all of it. I and, agree. And sometimes your offense can supersede anything you do on the defensive side of the puck. Yeah. But it's part of the overall conversation. And with Austin Matthews, it can't be denied. No, it can't be. And that's and like even the way he's improved in his faceoff numbers and everything over the course of his career, like that is the going to be the thing that I think will be because again, normally with heart conversations, we start having these in like. March. We've been doing this for three months seemingly already is that I do think that's going to be, that'll be like his closing argument. If this is a trial, <laughs> like your honor, these bums loafing in the offensive zone. Look at these stick lifts from Matthews. I, I got to say, if he finishes like 15 goals, 20 goals up on the second place finisher in the rocket race and ends up with 74, <laughs> 75 goals. is not enough for I, you anymore. Well, it's not because, I mean, the, the pace just keeps I know, going I know. higher. 
it, it used to be that every day, every game, it was like, oh, 68, 69, 70. Yeah. Now we're just blowing through that well, that totally. total. Totally. And who knows? There's lots. There's there's lots of runway to go, and you have to maintain this pace, and you have to avoid injury as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we are getting further away from the Leafs mm, uh, playing for their playoff lives mm-hmm. on any given night. Right? They have ten point separation between them and the the first team on the outside of the Eastern Conference playoff picture looking in. Uh, and that's without Morgan Riley. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that that's the difference between the Leafs being good and the Leafs being bad. Uh, this their first five game we'll winning streak. Tonight. We will. The 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 takes are going to be flying if they they lose the defending champs who are without some pretty key pieces mm-hmm. and not playing their best hockey. But yeah, on the back end of back to backs with Martin Jones and net. But yeah, I also I, I wonder if that impacts it as well. Like if if the Leafs are home and cooled out playoff mm-hmm. wise down the stretch because. Hey, listen, if, if if it was all about point getting for, mm-hmm. for Austin Matthews and say this team wasn't, you know, wasn't a playoff team, it was just about racking up yep. individual statistics yesterday. Austin Matthews is playing a whole mo- lot more than he did in the third period yesterday. Yeah. How much of that down the stretch are we going to see? I don't I don't think a lot of it. I think you'll see if it's a laugher, Keith's going to to take him out of games or, you know, not take him out of games, but pull back the leash a little bit there. But if we it's still Sheldon Keith behind the bench, they're not making yeah. a coaching change. I've understood. Yeah, he's not going to do it. He might be able to on the uh, night say, okay, okay, I'll pull these guys back a little bit, but he lets his horses run. It's what he has always done mm-hmm. in the time as Leafs head coach. Even when he had more horses, he's like, mm, I want to shrink this paddock a little bit. I want to keep my, I want to keep a like pretty tight group of guys that I really, really kind of lean on here. The other thing I wanted to say about Matthews and you know, this is obviously there's so much that goes into this. Part of it is just growing up. Like he's a year older now than he was last year. He's two years older than the last time he he scored 50, but you know, seeing him and part of it is just the Cinderella story of it all. But it's like, he's in Arizona last night. He does the interview in the intermission with McKenzie. He just seems so sure of himself and just like, there are no lingering questions. We see it sometimes and you know, it's body language doctoring for sure, but we see it where, Things get spiraling, and it can feel heavy for certain guys on this team at certain times. And Matthews just feels like a guy who is wholly willing, ready, and able to kind of handle that weight of what it means, not just to be like an MVP front runner, no, to be but to be of, that I, guy for the Leafs. And the last thing I'll throw at you about yeah. that is how much of it is just, again, the maturation process that I talk about, and how much is it that a little something clicked? last year when Tavares potted the OT winner in game six and they finally, finally got over, albeit the smallest of humps, mm. the hump. Because yeah. I don't I don't know. I it wasn't something that that entered my brain thinking about him taking what is yet another leap in his stardom mm-hmm. when it comes to North American pro sports. Granted, the hockey is such a yeah, secondary it's, sport. It's coming, every, man. Everybody he's gonna, else. He's going to put on the USA jersey. And he's going to be sure. a massive star really, yeah. really soon. No, it's it's a it's a great great point. Um. I just, yeah, I, I think this is a guy that, yeah, he's 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 been this ever since he stepped onto a National Hockey League ice surface, yeah, understanding that the I, like there has never been a moment where it's like, oh, will, will this, this guy be able big. to, yeah. will, will he be able to handle the pressure? Like the the biggest hockey market, the first overall selection, a guy who went and played pro in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there's never been one moment where you're like, oh, the moment's too big for no, Austin you, Matthews. You, do you know what's popping into my mind right now? What? Is him after scoring four goals in his NHL debut, mm-hmm. apologizing yeah. to whoever the report, I think it was Bukaskas for not covering Cal Turris yeah. in, in OT because it's his fault. They yeah. lost. No, it's he's just kind of how he's been wired. Now, part of that I think is like, that's the ultimate, like, Hey, 
young hockey player, ventriloquist dummy, you fall on the sword immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think there's some element to that, but you're right. Like, he's just... It, it's the old, like, it's the Jordan Bennington. Oh, do I look nervous? No. I mean, Jordan Bennington did look nervous then. He probably should have been given how his career's gone. But with Matthews, he just seems so calm, cool, collected, unfazed by it all. But he's, but phased. Like, he loves it, clearly. Yeah. You know, this isn't a guy who plays with the lack of... I think sometimes because he's not an overly... And he is a more physical player than we give him credit for. But he's not blowing guys up or actively in scrums. And, hey, if you want to start doing that, I'll love you even more. Uh-huh. But I think sometimes those guys get hit with a label of dispassionate or a little disconnected. And I don't think anybody could say that about Matthews when you see, I mean, obviously everyone's having big reactions when they score, go watch a super cut of him celebrating other teammates goals. And it's, it's, he seems to like that just as much, if not more. Is this even a topic of debate that he's not just the best athlete that's ever played for a Toronto pro sports team, Mm -hmm. but he's the most famous. He's the, he's the, he's already the pinnacle of everything. He's already the best. Like, there, there have been guys that have been at the peak of their powers and at that moment might have been the best player. Like why? Totally. In that one season and the championship thing, I mean, yeah. he hasn't done that yet. He hasn't mm-hmm. had the ultimate success. But we are, and it's too early for this conversation. Listen, it's probably too early even for the Hart Trophy conversation. David Amber, like, is everything he could do within his powers to not have the, the Alex Gretzky, Oh, my God. The panel, I thought they were going to kill him last night. Yeah. <laughs> But obviously, this continues. He's on a better pace than Ovechkin, who is on pace to if he keeps playing. And now that he's back to yeah, back. An, over a 20 goal pace this season, we're maybe talking about the greatest goal scorer in the history of the sport. He's 26 years old. He plays for the most iconic franchise in the sport. And ever since day one, he's he's been unfreaking believable. He's he's the guy that now you think of a hundred years of Toronto pro sports, who's the best. And it's not recency bias. No, it's, it's him. He's the face of Toronto pro sports, the entire hundred year history of it. It's the thing we most talked about when he won the heart was that for the storied franchise, that is the Leafs and Hey, like no knock on Sittler, but you can go back like a really long time Mm -hmm. until the Leafs had the best player in the game and you know mcdavid will always color that the fame aspect of it is interesting because i think you're right but the guy we're going to talk about a little later on in the hour maybe and vince is yeah, the one he guy had the, he had the more global reach because yeah, he played even, in a sport that that is not hockey right yeah, and it wasn't even but in terms of the talent like peak of his powers vince carter is not touching second year austin matthews in terms of what they were as guys in their sport. And and fame when it comes to North America, but Austin Matthews in this country, in this market, oh. is more famous than Vince Carter was when he was playing yeah. for the Raptors. I, I think that's I think that's true now. The you're right. Yeah. The other thing, and part of this goes part and parcel with how famous he is, how he's viewed, is that and maybe this is the afterglow of him hitting fifty again and the team's rolling right now, but you know, and you brought it up, and I, I like we were smart to do it. And we were talking about the playoff numbers, and people will bring up occasionally that Florida series. But mm-hmm. has he almost done so much in the regular season? And look, like if he goes goalless in another series and the Leafs lose, we will definitely be having that conversation. Mm-hmm. But has he almost done so much in regular seasons now that he has almost absolved himself of the stink yeah. of Leafs playoff past? Like so often when we've Oof. had these conversations of numbers and milestones, you go, oh, cool. There was a big crowing crowd of people going, ah, do it when it matters. Do something that matters. I, I feel like Matthews is so impressive now. 
that he has kind of completely removed that from the lexicon even. I, I would agree with you, but our pal who we're going to talk to after 8 o'clock, mm. Nick Kiprios, yes. brought up I saw that. The Rick five, five yeah. with three consecutive 50-goal seasons and just being had a, a footnote is too disrespectful. For sure. But, like, not even a real conversation about the number being retired. No, no, no. Or Legends Row. And no, it's funny. It was actually very illuminating. And, like, I was working with Gord a lot during Gord Stellick during the first... 50 goal season and God, I love, I love saying that the first 50 mm-hmm. goal season and he was bringing up vibe a lot and it's just, it was very illuminating of, of what he accomplished and how little he has talked about. Yeah. And part of that might be the guy who doesn't I, I, I don't know how I missed this, but this in, the incredible Brendan Shanahan story of him being snubbed for an autograph as a kid mm-hmm. by Rick Vi. Yeah. And then in one of his first, games as an NHLer when he was playing for the Devils, lining up opposite Rick Vibe and then just pummeling him mm-hmm. into the ice yeah. and telling him it was as retribution for snubbing him as an autograph seeker and that maybe impacting the way <laughs> he's viewed with this franchise. Anyways, we're getting far afield of the Matthews thing. But yeah, and, and Rick Vibe I could talk about Austin that Matthews. Story. I, God, I could talk about that story for 15 minutes. Like, where's that guy? Can yeah. he walk into the room and say those things to the players, please? Yeah. God. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's no sweeter revenge story for a kid. Than, oh my God. And and maybe that's maybe Brendan Shanahan doesn't reach the heights he reaches unless Rick he has doesn't the, snub him. The the fire Thank you, within Rick. his belly of imagining one day punching Rick Vibe in the face <laughs> on an NHL ice surface. Anyways, uh yeah, and Rick Vibe ain't Austin Matthews, okay? Nope. He's not. But yeah, when you're talking about postseason success. Has to happen. Yeah, there has to be some modicum think, of it. I think the the thing that is I mean, many things are different, obviously, the world we're in today, but there's a there's a lot of guys that make a lot of money and get talked about a lot to shoulder that blame that it won't all have to go to Matthews. And part of the thing that was, you know, a a a pillar of the Vive era was it was Rick Vive. And he didn't have nearly as much help as Austin Matthews and Co. have right now. I think that's the part of it that's different is that and we've done this, like the civil war of Nylander and Marner, and I think yeah. all that stuff has mostly died down. But what I'm saying is that I think all all factions of all Leaf civil wars will go, all right, Austin, you're absolved from this. These other guys got to pick it up. It do, uh, short of him yeah. going goalless in a series or just... Which he hasn't com- done. I mean, he did. He did. did. Everybody went yeah. goalless yeah. in the Guess what? Everybody he stung. also had eight shots on goal yeah. in game five yeah. of that series. Right? Totally. This, it, this is not... Austin Matthews was brutal in the Florida series. I don't relitigate all this. But I do think he's kind of getting to a point where he is... We've done the core four, the core four. We're going to do the core four, except... Morgan Riley's now officially in and Austin Matthews is out. He's like absolved himself from it. It really, to me, mm-hmm. it kind of feels that that's the way we're, we're trending here. Yeah. All right. So I guess we could talk about the other things that happened in yeah. the game. Bobby McMahon scored again. Mm-hmm. The Leafs pounded uh, a lesser light team again, although it got dicey again in the second mm-hmm. period, three, nothing uh, lead after 20 minutes. Apparently it's not just the, the two goal lead. That's the worst lead in hockey. It's the three, nothing after 20 minutes. They went, Big in on that. Simmer's like, <laughs> God, I have a gather around children. I have a scary story to tell you. The Leafs are up three nothing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I always thought, yeah, I think it seems fine. Guess what? Uh, guess what? Uh, all leads are bad for the Leafs because they're yeah. coming. Like, yeah, yeah. In that first period, it it felt like um, 
I don't know. The, 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 the Coyotes, part of their strategy was to high stick the Leafs as many times as possible and God, hope that so, the referees didn't call it. They're so good at it, too. Yeah. Like, they're just getting them. Like, <laughs> Marner. The Marner one right off the draw, the yes. catharsis I felt seeing that of, oh, oh full two-minute, five-on-three. Yeah. These guys are going to be snapping it around. And, I, then, and then losing the draw on purpose. Yes, so like you can course. regroup, and then, and then Mitch Marner can stop the bleeding and get God. back on the ice. I... I had I died in that in that power play specifically because you it, this is this happens for all good teams especially early in a game fresh ice you get a five on three you want to really slow it down you want to get your perfect shot and they were doing that and then there was a moment mm-hmm. it was maybe I don't know thirty seconds before the goal mm-hmm. where Marner just walks in and lays into one basically right at the top of the circles right near the hash marks and that is just such an un. Mitch Marner play like he'll shoot if he's open but if there's a pass to be made especially last night he was going to make it and I actually loved to see that from Marner quite honestly going what are we doing here let me get something on net and let's figure it out from there and look oh look at that it yeah. led to a goal 30 oh, I mean, seconds later. The great hands in front yep. to, to William Nylander who scores his first of two on the, on the, the night. Power play remains second in the NHL but at 28.2% the highest it's ever been in the Austin Matthews era. This is the most dominant the Toronto Maple Leafs power play has been, and you can argue about the consistency night to night. I don't know. What I'm seeing mm-hmm. is is a, a five-on-four unit that's playing with a ton of confidence That's that's really figured it out. And to your point about the, hey, eventually we got to stop looking for the perfect play, I think they've done that more often than not. And this is where I think the Morgan Riley conversation gets interesting because yeah. that is actually I have been not somebody rushing him off of power play one but Timothy Lilligren seven points in his God. last four games I, you know what thank you for bringing him up because I don't know that we'll like go super deep on this here I loved his game last night oh, he yeah. was nasty yeah. he was involved he was moving the puck that's the best version of Lilligren that's the guy you see and go mm, <laughs> is there a step to be to be taken there the thing about Riley though is it's he is a touch indecisive with the puck on the power play and you want a guy who's decisive especially when everyone else on the ice is a shooting and scoring threat even Mitch Marner who we don't think of that way you know like the 35 goal man I don't know what he's on pace for at this point in time but you even the worst shooting option out there is a great one. And that's been the problem with Riley kind of, kind of in that spot. It's also been, if you are looking to ease them off a little bit, that's been such a conversation coming out of this is maybe they've been playing them too much. That's as good a way as any to get two minutes of, of ice time away from him a night. Cause that's pretty much what the Leafs top unit gets. If they get a power play, they're out there for the whole thing. And generally speaking, they don't get a ton of them. So that's your, that's as easy a way to back off Riley as any. And if the unit's going, why would you mess with it? Yeah. I, I, like obviously Morgan Riley is going to go back into one of like into a, pretty close to his normal deployment tonight, uh, especially on the back end of back to back when he's oh, got yeah. fresh legs. Yes. But uh, I think there are, there are lessons to be learned over this five game stretch. And it it's is, not Morgan Riley's not good. No, nope. but like I said, this is a guy that's averaging over 24 mm-hmm. minutes a game. Yep. And the idea that you can maybe count on some of those other guys a little bit more and William Lagason might be healthy enough to return to the lineup. Loggerson. So, yeah, Loggerson tonight, like, yeah. Um, yeah, might allow you to spread the wealth a little bit. And I, Timothy Lilligren has... And I think he had a, a great quote on the matter as far as what his uh, game plan is on the power play. It's like, just get the puck to the Austin Matthews yeah. as quickly and as often as possible. But I think that it, it, it's it's not, 
Uh, it's not a situation where, yeah, you're just rolling with the the 20-man the unit that has won you five consecutive games. But there are elements of, hey, you don't want to mess with success. And I think, yeah, the Leafs over the last couple of years with Morgan Riley have been open to the idea of moving him off that top power play unit. I, I have no issue with, with Timothy Lilligren remaining on that top unit. Yeah, and it, we talk about giving guys roles, giving them a job, giving them something to do so they feel like they have some skin in the game. If you want, again, we, t- we I, ma- I made this point with Rasmus Sandin for th- three, four seasons, and it never came to fruition. So, hey, let's go for it again with Timothy Lilligren. If you think this blue line is going to get any better without a trade, mm-hmm. that's the only guy who's doing it. Maybe TJ Brody goes back to the left side and you see a slightly better version of him. But if there is an upgrade to be had that is not your Jake Muzzin trade from five years ago, it's Timothy Lilligren becoming the best version of himself. And you have to give him something to do. And it's not play on a third pair for 16 minutes a night. You Mm -hmm. need to have roles and jobs for these guys. And what better job for a young defenseman who wants to feel good than PP1 for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then Mm -hmm. you, you kind of allow Morgan Riley again, not that he needs a defined role. His role is go out there and play half the game for us every night, but you say, okay, you're on power play too. I'm sure you don't love it, but you got paid. You're a big boy. You can handle it. Yeah. And now this sets us up well to have our best defenseman on the ice when we get back to five on five and the game gets harder for us. So I think that it really does bode well. Do I think that this is going to be set in stone? It's just going to be Lilligren there for the rest of the year. God, no. But I think coming out of the Riley Suspension, I almost called it injury because it injured me personally, and he injured Ruthie Greg, but he didn't. Uh, but I think that that's what you have to do. You have to find some little tweaks that you were able to to be successful with coming out of it. Bobby McMahon, like I said, yet another goal for him, almost at double digits now. Um, as he's got seven in his last five, he's playing in all situations as well, mm-hmm. uh, power play, and yep. now killing some penalties. Hey, he's still being Bobby me- McMahon. Being mean, too. I, I, and, and it's not just this guy's taking advantage of his limited opportunities. Mm-hmm. There's an eye test thing that's happening totally. for me too. I, I, I do. I maybe the Leafs have found something here. I I think we depending on what something is. I think people hear you say they've found something, and it's a guy who has you know gone on a little bit of a goal scoring tear here, and they went, oh, top six something. No, no, he is what they've been looking for. Just a guy who kind of comes out of nowhere and it wasn't part of the seven-year plan for this organization. This is what the other teams in the league have been able to do in spades throughout this era is find these guys. Now, the Leafs have done it in other ways. They went and found their Michael Bunting. You know, your Zach Aston Reese was okay for you on a PTO. This is different. And to your point, if you don't want the offense to dry up, you love that he's scoring goals because this team desperately needs it. But... You love the other stuff that he brings you. He's nasty. He's physical. He has some jam. He goes into a scrum mad. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go into a scrum, all right, guess I'm supposed to be here. Let me go put my body in front of another guy. No, he gets mad. He gets yeah. angry. He gets ornery. And this team needs it. Yeah. I mean, it's why I've enjoyed Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi oh, playing my on God. the same line. Max Domi last night. I yeah. loved his game too. And also, just quickly, TJ Brody was around the net twice more in that game than I've ever seen him in my life. When mm-hmm. when CC was Brody in front of the net, I I I assumed he had the wrong guy. <laughs> I just did. Sorry. Like I know you're and really then, good at your job, CC. Yeah. But. And then you know the shot that he got off. You're like, oh yeah, that's oh, why he hasn't scored in like 80 games. Uh, yeah. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, lots more Leafs conversation obviously to come over the next two and a half hours. But when we come back, Raptors back in action tonight 
against the Nets. What do we expect from them in the second half? And uh, Vince says he wants to go into the Hall of Fame as a Raptor. Are we surprised? That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Segment fan morning shows sports at five nine the fan Ben and Spring Gunning. I want to give a congratulations one wow. to the Arizona Coyotes mm. for playing that game at ten o'clock, but also it being so close to ten o'clock puck drop being you, before ten ten. Someone should alert JJ Redick. He was going on about this in the NBA yes. and how nothing starts on time. Someone I, should tell him. I like almost broke my neck nodding in agreement <laughs> with JJ. Now the <laughs> stuff yesterday less so. Where you know he's taking to the microphone on first take and saying like what. Why do people want opinions on things? This is ridiculous. Why, why is my blasting of Doc Rivers more uh, interesting than Zion Williams' dribble handoffs? Yeah, yeah. Gee, I wonder why, uh-huh. JJ. And I actually like. I have so much time for JJ Reddy. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But and, even and honestly, like even that. Good job by you. You gave mm-hmm. us a take. We could all get mad about. Dude, if there's if it's this whole thing I didn't is think a he giant meant to work, do it. If it's a giant work, congratulations, because uh, I'm impressed. Anyways. Speaking of basketball, mm. and J.J. Redick taking uh, Doc Rivers' spot in the uh, finals broadcast booth on ESPN, but I don't think the Raptors are going to be in the finals. Would be mm. my guess. I don't, I don't think so either. <laughs> they're, they're back in action tonight. God, LeBron won't be in action tonight as he's, you know, still trying to take care of that ankle injury, uh, which is apparently good enough for him to uh, to play in the first half of the All-Star game, but uh, will not be in Oakland or San Francisco tonight to play the Warriors. Quick, my quick take on that is people can't have it both ways. They can't get mad at LeBron for never doing the dunk contest mm-hmm. and then also get mad at him for coming to like give the All-Star game some relevance. You got to pick a lane. I don't care which one, but and I'm not saying you did this. I just yeah. heard a lot of, oh, LeBron ruined All-Star weekend. Uh, well, he was there, so pick your, take, pick your poison. He was there and played, but will not play in the game mm-hmm. of consequence. Yep. That's a marquee national game tonight. Anyways, besides the point, Raptors, Nets kicking off the second half of their season. Um, the Raptors unofficially. are... Unofficially. Yeah. It's so, unofficial you're, you're right. Thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Uh, Some pedantic lunatic will be all over you. What are the things you care about when it comes to the this Raptors team and their second half? Unofficial second half slate. Let me pre- preface this with the same thing as everybody. It's Scotty Barnes, but mine's a little different. It is not the player, Scotty Barnes. It's the face of your franchise leader of men scotty barnes and you know we can overstate this stuff in the moment and everyone's allowed to have moments they want back and him walking off the court uh with you know a few seconds left in the game that wasn't his finest moment i don't think that colors what he is as a leader either that's the thing i'm most curious about because you know the conversations about what he is as a player and where he fits in the nba landscape we're going to change our minds on that six six seven more times between now and the end of the season when he has good games when he has bad games but that is the thing that i think i'll be most watching kind of like a stock index is Mm -hmm. how is he is the leader of this team weird first half of the season you basically were the leader but 
all the other guys were still here, so it was kind of hard to do it. They're all gone now. They've been gone for a while now. This is a true reset after All-Star break. Mm-hmm. What are you as a as a person? And I don't say that as a as a knock on him. Mm-hmm. I say that is I think that's what you most need to find out in the back half of the season. Yeah, obviously any conversation about the Raptors in their unofficial second half of the season slate is we're all divorcing what we're talking about from the wins and losses. Do I think the Raptors would benefit by winning a bunch of games? And would that make you feel somewhat better about the the thing that is building with this new young Raptors course? Sure. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's 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 outrageous to imagine them in the play in tournament game? Probably. Yep. But like, would that be the worst thing for their development to like play and to be the last team into the Eastern Conference play in tournament and get blasted even in that game? I think that would be amazing. I but do too. I, I don't think it's likely, especially what we've seen from oh, this, yeah. this team uh, since it's been assembled. But yeah, the wins and the losses, I'm, I'm at the same place that Masai Ujiri was when he told us, yeah, we're, we're not going to force it one way or the other, whether we hold on to our uh, pick this season or defer it to next season or yada, yada, yada. Like we're just, we're taking it as it comes. We're just mm-hmm. trying to build the best team we can this year. But yeah, it's the number one thing is no more inconsistent Scotty days. And it's yeah. not just the the handling the media. Boy, you would hope it's not walking off the court with any time left on on the clock. Like it'd be a the, tough look to do it again. It's hey, if in fact you have more lopsided losses in the second half, try to look engaged for as much of the 48 minutes yes. as you possibly can, which takes me to this also. Mm. Darko Ryakovich needs to be more aggressive with his tactics uh, if his players continue you want to him one? No. <laughs> needs to be more aggressive <laughs> with his tactics. And by tactics, I mean the, the deployment, the, the discipline. Mm-hmm. If this team continues to have as many inconsistent, lifeless games as they've had, um, going back to really game one of the season before they made the yep. trades of, of Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, there's... I think everybody understands that the wins and losses are taking a backseat. Like we all get that, but it doesn't mean that you get to just go through the motions for 48 games. No, I think if anything, it almost, it almost allows you to pick your spots a little more from a kind of development or putting the right habits in place standpoint. I mean, again, not to make everything about the Leafs, but we have all these conversations about Keefe and at the end of the day, we couch him with, Okay, and you can feel differently about it, but at least he is doing what he's doing to win on a team where points and playoff positioning matter. For Coach Darko, if you feel like you got to pull somebody out of a game because they're being lackadaisical with the ball or they're not running sets the way you'd like or there's just not urgency or the defense isn't there or, or, or kind of honestly any reason Mm -hmm. this is the time to instill that you know it's not a it's not become someone you're not it's not become a you know militaristic guy or anything along those lines but it is hold players accountable and if you start holding them accountable the hope the belief the dream is that scotty barnes and Mm -hmm. the rest of the guys who matter on this team will start doing it to each other and i think that you're you're really smart to point out the darko because he is a because, man, like we talk about the conversation or the question marks this team has on, you know, what is a core of Barnes and Quickly and Barrett? What is a core of anything coached by Darko? I think there's still very much a jury out on that. Yeah, I think so. I think he's, um, if, if things look as lifeless as they have at times this season, continuing in the second half, I mean, already I have questions about his future as a head coach of this Raptors team, but his number one job should be trying to get the best effort out of this team as often as possible. All right, so we uh, tease it going to break there. Mm. 
And we, we talked about Austin Matthews and his star power compared to, I think, the only other guy that has a legitimate claim to being the most famous uh sporting star in this city and mm-hmm. that's vince carter in that moment when he's winning dunk contests when the raptors are relevant when all it's over when, when all the biggest celebrities in in north america are sitting courtside at raptors games that guy was it and then he yep. sulk off and and according to him said hey never mind actually i i don't want to leave but was traded for for nothing uh and went to the nets where he had a modicum of success but All of it against the Raptors. Cannot, cannot paper over that part of it. But in a, in a podcast yesterday, he was asked about what jersey he would like to be featured in if, in fact, he goes to the Hall of Fame, which he will, and he's on the short list of finalists to go to Springfield this year. He said this. Which jersey are you rocking Hall of Fame if you had to choose Toronto. one? Both legendary stops. Yeah. Toronto. Mm. Toronto. It, 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 I mean, it has to be. That's where it started. That's where it all you know, to continue the, the rise. Yes, I had great years in Jersey, but it started there. And my confidence and, and, and understanding the player that I, I, I could be in the league was was trending upwards still in Toronto. All right, that was on the Run It Back podcast. Does that surprise you that he's so quickly no. to say that the Raptors are the team I would prefer? He doesn't have a choice, but he would prefer to go in as a Raptor. Yeah, didn't I, I have to be honest, hand up? I did they go in? Or are they just making up a thing? I didn't know basketball yeah. players went in in a jersey. I can't. I can't. I don't remember MJ sit, crying. MJ sitting up there in a Bulls uni. I don't. Or what do you on Wizards? No, probably Bulls. I think. Mm-hmm. But when I when I look at it with Carter, it's this is what happens when you grow up. It's what happens when you have a do over on on your life. Like I've been mad in a moment, and four minutes ago, been like, mm, wish I would have handled that interaction better. As you grow older, you have more perspective on things. You, of course, wish you would have handled it in a different way. And, hey, that's all well and good of him to say, but it's never going to reek as not wanting to have it both ways. Like, he wanted out, and then once once it was out and started winding down, he, mm, I actually would like to take my rightful place as the first great player in this franchise's history. Sorry, man. They've won a title since. All these other, and I know we're not talking jersey retirement now, but I think this is all for a lot of people. It's all part and parcel. Sorry, they've won a title. There were guys who wanted to stay here, and you know we're not as great as you in Lowry and DeRozan, mm-hmm. but we're great in their own regard. And one of those guys won a title here. So I just look at it as it always rubs me the wrong way. I get it. I understand. I'm sure when I look back on my life, I could do it right now and imagine a million things I would have liked to have done different. But guess what? You still have to wear it. Like, you do. So good on him for saying all that, but good on me for never forgetting. <laughs> good on you. Yes, good on you. Uh, he was just asked a question, right? Like, he, he just asked, he answered a direct question with a direct answer. Yep. Yeah, I don't think there's any other answer, though. What, he's going to go in as a net because he played almost as many seasons in Brooklyn, or uh, in before it was Brooklyn, in New Jersey, yeah. as he did as a Raptor, and he won one more series with the Nets than he did with the Raptors, won one series, yep. and then, you know, took the the eventual NBA Finals Sixers to seven games and yada, yada. Is it back yeah, rim? Yeah. yeah, we understand that. But I remember. He only won one more series. It's not like this, like, rousing, successful tenure in New Jersey with the Nets no. and Jason Kidd. Like, what are we talking about here? It's, it's, a, it's a choice between two teams, yep. Raptors and Nets. And then, yes, he became a journeyman and held on until yeah, yeah. the bitter end. We understand that. And that's part of the discussion and mm-hmm. maybe part of his Hall of Fame uh, uh, bona fides. For but sure. I don't think there's any debate here. Like, you think of Vince Carter, you know, think of 
him as a net. You think Man, of him as a Raptor. And right. the reason he is a Hall of Famer is because of the things we talked about. It's it's him becoming famous as a Raptor when they had their first moment of relevance mm-hmm. in the NBA. He's yeah. obviously going in as a Raptor. Yeah, and that's how he should view it. But I'm also going to remember him saying I don't dunk anymore and wanting out and crying and whining. And and again, like I think we all are allowed to change our mind on things and have a different perspective. But just because he changed his doesn't mean I have to change mine. And no. I think, no, but no, there is a segment of, and this is like, yeah, don't listen to 20-year-olds, I know. But there is a segment of people who weren't here for it who are a totally different generation of Raptors fans who go, oh, what are you talking about? I've seen the highlights. How bad could it have been? Guys left before, guys will leave again. Kawhi left. What's the difference? Uh Uh-uh. Very different. Mm -hmm. I'm sensitive. You need to love me, especially as a non-hockey, like, Toronto athlete. You need to love us. And he has said all the right things about loving Canada since. Since. Not in the moment. It's a do-over. It's a make good. So good on you. You feel that way? Good for you, to your point. That's how you probably should feel. But this is how you all, if you're at least 30, should feel about this as well. And I think most people do. Um, I really don't know. I think there has been like a revisionist. I'm not a revisionist. I think people are like, yeah, eventually you get over it. Oh, okay. So just I think the championship, yeah, Mm. it probably does make everybody feel a lot better about a lot of it. And especially, I mean, just timelines work in such a way, and especially when he goes into Springfield as a Hall of Famer, he'll be the first to be feted. Yep. But I think, obviously, if you had your druthers like, hey, what's the bigger moment at Scotiabank Arena when Kyle Lowry has his number seven raised to the Raptors uh-huh. or when, you know, there's maybe, I don't know if they do this in basketball, but, yeah, down at Rogers Center, yeah. we have the Roy Halladay Hall of Fame banner, right? Like, are the Raptors going to raise a banner when Vince uh, Carter goes into the Hall of Fame? Clearly, though, I would he like will be- to be there to boo it if that's the case. <laughs> Clearly, there will be a media blitz by Vince Carter, who's been loathed to do anything on this station, yep. on on either of the TV stations, to be in this city. Like, he's been in this city as a broadcaster for ESPN. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't talk to the Toronto media. There will be some sort of blitz, I would think, my God, if he's going into the Hall of Fame as a Raptor, yeah. that he will... He will he will address the fans in some more meaningful way. And if you're a Raptors fan, I think pretty clearly, I mean, if you're of an age that is... You know what, even if you're a younger person, because you've seen Kyle Lowry more, like Kyle Lowry gets the majority of your warm and fuzzies if For you're sure. a Raptor fan, but just because of timelines, Vince Carter is going to get an opportunity to get it first. Yeah, I'm good. I just would like to state, and this will, I know, this will shock everyone out there, I am pre-annoyed at that media tour and the revisionist history of the ending. I mean, you can't go back in time no, and that's change pro- what happened. That's right. That's right. You made a mistake and you mm-hmm. have to wear it. Do you have to wear it at 100% forever? Not with everybody. Maybe with me. All right. Uh, when we come back, messaging out of Dunedin a little bit different from the Blue Jays this season. Specifically, Bobichet, I think, hitting on all the talking points I wanted him to hit on. Uh, that and more next as we'll also talk to Shai Davidi from Florida. Next, as the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Adams, Frank Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.